I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Red alert. All hands stand to battle stations. Luck as foils attack positions. Prepare for battle! Autobots, roll out! Get ready, it's your weekly dose of nerd culture. All wings report in. With your crew, Obi-John Kenobi. Hello there. Commander Scott. Amazing about it, I know this ship like the back of my hand. Julian. You tell him I'm coming, and hell's coming with me, you hear? And the Doc. Great Scott. Movies, TV, streaming, video games, comic books, board games, toys, collectibles, cosplay, conventions. If it's happening in the world of geekdom, we're talking about it. So lock and load, bag and board, and roll for initiative. We've got your... Nerd Alert! Hello there. It's Obi John Kenobi, your favorite host in all of podcasting. And today, that name's going to mean something. Because we're talking about one of our favorite franchises in the history of all IP and franchises. But I'm getting ahead of myself. Uh, when I say we, I'm of course talking about myself and my motley crew, uh, the collective heads of knuckle known as Nerd Alert. And first up to my right, because he's my right hand man who keeps this, this ship running. He's the, uh, well, I was going to say the Commander Scott, but that's, that's, that's his fucking name. He's the uh, the rocket raccoon of our Guardians of the Galaxy group. It's Commander Scott. Hello, hello. I like being Rocket. Rocket has a good good collection of weapons. I like weapons. Um, also, um, you've heard the terms BC and AD, right? Yes, I have. Everybody knows what those are when referring to the year uh, on the lovely uh, Gregorian calendar that we use. Uh, BC, of course, stands for before Christ. Do you know what AD stands for? After uh, death. Anno Domine. Very good, Doc. It stands for Anno Domine. It does not stand for after death. Because if it stood for after death, that wouldn't make sense. That would give you like a 30-year gap. Um, and Anno Domine actually is, is Latin for in the year of our Lord. Because the calendar actually goes from 1 B.C., directly to 1 AD. There is no year zero. Part of the reason why there's no year zero is because the numeral zero was not invented uh, until sometime around 4 BC in India. It didn't make its way into math or counting until it gets to uh, the Arab nations, I believe in southern Iran, about seven centuries later, uh, almost two centuries after the Gregorian county calendar was Founded by uh, Dionysius uh, Exit, just ex- Exit something, um, around 520 something. So literally, uh, in in the Roman, uh, the original Roman calendars uh, and such, the the numeral zero did not exist. It hadn't been invented yet as part of a number system. So there you go. Nice, Scott. Yes. Just like Rocket. Ain't no thing like you, said you. <laughs> I appreciate that. Uh, thank you for keeping the nerd and Todd nerdy to us. Uh, I always appreciate those factoids. I, I learn something new every week with you, Scott. Whether I want to or not. That's my goal. Whether I can ever forget about it or not. <clears throat> I 
and chainsaws. Uh, (laughs) Routing out this uh, uh, triple feature, the uh, Porthos of our three musketeers, uh, the Curly of our three stooges, joining us from somewhere in time and space, it's the Doc. You know, John, before we start, there's something that you should know about us. Us? The three yeah, of us? Me. Okay. No, just me and you. There's something just you should me. know. Okay. Okay. Are you going to ask what it is? What is it? I'm your father's brother's nephew's cousin's former roommate. What does that make us? Absolutely nothing. Okay. Which is about what you're, which is what you're about to be. I see you have the shorts. Or do you have the ring? And your Schwartz, it's as big as mine. <laughs> Let's see you know, if you I, can. I, I, I hate when they get twisted. Well. Can you put your put your knee on my, and then we'll just twist and then pull apart there. What, what did he have? The special? <laughs> <laughs> I'd like Check, to change please. the order. <laughs> uh, uh, I hate space balls. <clears throat> is that not what we're talking about? Nope, nope. Hot take, John. Oh, John hates space balls. Uh, no, uh, so we are uh, your hosts. Uh, this is Nerd Alert, um, and there's no use hiding it today. We're talking about Star Wars, uh, and we'll get into specifics in a minute. But um, quick little, very recent history recap uh, to frame what we're talking about today. Unless there's something I forgot about. Did I forget something, Scott? Not that I'm aware of. I feel like he had something to say. So, uh, okay. Take us back, Doc. Set the Wayback Machine to right around 1983. Um, Star Wars, Return of the Jedi hits theaters. Uh, It's a big smash. Everybody loves it. Instantly, unanimously hailed as the best Star Wars movie ever made. Uh, It's everyone's favorite. Uh, This might be some editorializing here. Um, But uh, what's important to remember is... Until then, there had been a steady stream of new Star Wars. Every three years, there's a new movie coming out. So keeping Star Wars huge in pop culture didn't take a whole lot. Because everyone knew there was more movies coming down the line. So all your uh, action figure, your Kenner toy uh, toy line, every few years got a refresh because there's a new movie coming out. Uh, and there's a whole new movie full of stuff we can pull from. And, you know, T-shirts and posters and lunchboxes. And, you know, the whole brand got a refresh every few years, which for a toy line is perfect. Um, but it really helped keep Star Wars alive in pop culture because there was a steady stream of new stuff coming out. Well, after 83, there weren't any new movies coming out. And people tried lots of stuff. Uh, you know, we, we had the uh, the Ewoks TV movies. We had the droids and the Ewoks cartoon show. And the the, the brand kind of limped on till about 85, 86, when Star Wars essentially, as far as marketing and, and uh, consumer products, uh, was pretty much dead. Uh, it'll never die in pop culture, but it, as, as a, a new thing, it was kind of dropped off the map. And it was kept alive, kept on life support by what we're going to talk about today, which is what's come to be known as the Star Wars Expanded Universe. 
which is the novels, comics, video games, what have you, that took place uh, after Return of the Jedi that really kept the franchise alive and uh, served as, as a um, sequel to the, you know, the further adventures of, of Han, Luke, and Leia. Um, so before we jump into the big topic, how did everyone here, does everyone remember their first uh, uh, toe in the water of the expanded universe? Oh, yeah. Were you? I'm sorry, say again. Do you remember your first experience with the Star Wars expanded universe? Yeah, my first my first expanded universe was um, the novel Truce of Bakura, or as I I pronounced it at the time, Bakura. <laughs> Bob Bakura. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah, I, I read that. It came out uh, uh, in uh, ninety ninety three ninety four. Um, so I read that, and of course that that book. If if nobody's read it. Uh, in my opinion, right now, now, I know the old EU is now decanonized officially. We're, we're, uh, we're getting to that. You're getting I, I know, I know. But stuff like this, to me, is still canon until it's contradicted. Just for me. Because um, so far, there's nothing that has has contradicted it. Um, the But what what brought me into it was when you start reading this this book, like literally the the first chapter, you know, right out of the gate, it picks up with them getting back on board uh, the, the the rebel ships from the Battle of Endor. So it, it's right after Jedi. Now, this was not the first book published. Uh, this was, I mean, and, and this was even published after the original Thrawn trilogy, which I read after this. Um, but so it it it's it's it, it immediately takes place, and I remember I was reading, and at one point Luke is talking to Leia, you know, because uh, he's had some lovely revelations uh, since the last time they spoke, and uh, uh, so he's kind of telling her and bringing her up to speed on that. And in the background, as that conversation is ending, in the background of the hangar, they're still on the hangar deck. You hear somebody yelling at somebody else. You tore the dish off. How do you tear the dish off? You said it wouldn't get a scratch. <laughs> and I fell in love with that book right then. Very nice. Doc? Um, it would be sitting in the basement of one of my best friend's houses. Uh, his name's Bob. Bob was oh. an avid PC gamer. Um, and one of the PC games he had was... How was it? I think it was Rebel Assault. Um, okay. I think that's what it was. It's the one that had like live action cutscenes. Uh huh. And it was like a first person shooter kind of thing. And I just remember sitting there playing it with him and then thinking to myself, man, I really wish that I could play my own Star Wars game. And then not sure, it was shortly after that, so not very long, that I got Shadows of the Empire for N64 and uh, fell in love with that story. Uh, I'm sure there'll be a lot more about that in this episode to come. Um, So my first experience with the EU, and and this was like a, a revelation at the time, was actually Disney World. 
Um, how prophetic. Uh, I was at Disney <laughs> World in the gift shop at Star Tours, the original Star Tours, where you're taking your uh, your flight to Endor with uh, Rex, the new pilot. <clears throat> uh, and in, in the gift shop, tons of Star Wars stuff. And this was right before um, Kenner relaunched the Power of the Force collection with all those new toys in the, the mid-90s. Um, so one of the big things they had were comic books from Dark Horse. And I remember grabbing a random issue because the cover looked cool. Uh, I have no idea to this day. I, I can't find it. I don't know what happened to it. Uh, it's been through like two or three moves at that point. So it, it could be anywhere between here, Iowa, and Illinois. Um, God only knows. I don't remember what story it was. I don't know what issue it was. But I remember the cover was cool. It had Luke, uh, Luke Skywalker in an outfit I hadn't seen him bef- in before with his lightsaber. And there was a scene where he's running from some people. And he throws his lightsaber uh, and uses the force to control it in an arc and takes out like eight guys in one throw. And I just thought that was the coolest freaking thing ever. Um, and that was my first ever realization of, oh, the story kept going. Oh, okay. Like I never at that point thought about what happened to them after Return of the Jedi ends. Uh, I just assume we're all still partying on Endor, you know, indefinitely. Um, <laughs> no idea. Just, just, just an endless party. No, I, uh, I don't know. What... Yeah, yeah, just, just yub nub forever, man. <laughs> Star, <laughs> we need that as... Star Wars Valhalla. Can, can we get that as a T-shirt? Yub nub forever. That's, I, I like want it. that now. Yeah, no, for life, bitches. Um, so yeah, that was my first. Uh, and again, I have no idea what issue it was. I just remember thinking, "Wow, that's the coolest thing ever." Uh, but from, and I guess technically the first expanded universe novel, if you count um, um, Splinter of the Mind's Eye, which introduced the the Kyber Crystal before they were just Kyber Crystals. Uh, so from, that was what, 78, 79? Uh, all the way up until 2014, there were roughly 155 novels uh, that comprise the Star Wars Expanded Universe. Wow, you came in late. Sorry? <laughs> Where were you, man? Where were you? elementary school that is no excuse sir sorry um <laughs> yeah th- there are uh and that's again that doesn't include complex issues that's just uh, like novels and young adult novels and that's that's the best research i could do uh to try to get a rounded up number i think if you include the comics and everything it's closer to like 380 something um all the like young adult series and whatnot but um yeah, lots and lots of stuff covered. Um, so, so throughout the the you know Star Wars never really died; it just kind of shrank, uh, and the hardcore fans never abandoned it. They were always there. There was always new stuff coming out, uh, new characters, new adventures, new villains, new heroes. Uh, and then on April twenty fifth, two thousand fourteen, a great disturbance was felt in the Force, as if millions of voices shattered out and then suddenly were silenced. When Disney announced they were decanonizing the entire Star Wars expanded universe. Oh, no, no. Bastards. They they weren't suddenly silenced. They cried out for quite a while. (laughs) They still haven't shut up about it. But that's what the show's about, so... 
<laughs> we can't give him too much gruff. No, uh, no so the, go ahead, Scott. I was going to say, it's funny you mentioned kyber crystals. Uh, that your your first introduction to kyber crystals being uh, the the thing from Star Tours, the story from that, right? Yeah, yeah. Because um, the first mention of kyber crystals in the expanded universe was actually was the first um, novel, uh, Splinter of the Mind's Eye, which yeah. yeah came out in nineteen seventy eight, um, which I read way after. But parts of that novel have been brought back into canon, not only the kyber crystal. Because the Kyber Crystal came from an early draft, the the author got it from an early draft of the the script, but um, uh, the planet that they're on in that movie, uh, Mimban, was brought back into canon in Solo, a Star Wars story, uh, and then uh, the uh, the comic that uh, you and I have read, uh, The Rise of Kylo Ren, talks about uh, an artifact called the Mind Splinter, but I don't think we found out in that comic what it does. No, uh, and the, the the kyber crystal in Splinter of the Mind's Eye is not just a kyber crystal like they, no. they've become. It was essentially yeah. like a sorcerer's stone for the Force kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Because um, yeah, but so that's uh, but it was inevitable once once Lucasfilm changed hands. Um, and, and the EU was one of those things where they were licensed by Lucasfilm and and uh, you know, they were official novels. Uh, but as Commander Scott will attest to you, there was never any real huge oversight as far as continuity uh, or, you know, authors basically kind of got free reign to do what they wanted to an extent. Um, yeah, I think they had some they had guidelines. Luke, Lucas did put down guidelines. First of all, they, they couldn't touch anything prior to um, episode four. Mm-hmm. That was off limits. Um and they weren't allowed to kill any main characters, right? So, so no characters saw on screen. They were not, they were not allowed to kill them. Um, uh, and I think there was a couple other like guidelines. Other than that, they did have some broad strokes. Um, now, once he did the prequels, I think after Episode One came out, he opened up everything prior to Episode One uh, for novels. And then after episode two came out, he opened up some of the Clone Wars era for them to do, because that's when we started getting the Mando books and we started getting the um, uh, the yeah, crap. Uh-huh. Uh, the one that they focused on the regiment of uh, clone troopers. And I can't. I can't remember the five hundred first. The Republic. Oh, okay. Yeah, Republic Commando. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. That series. Yeah. Now wait a minute. So am I mistaken in thinking that because I read the Han Solo trilogy. Mm -hmm. Yes. But I feel like the Han Solo trilogy was before the prequels. And the Han Han Solo trilogy, though, takes place before episode four. It does. It does. Um, Now, on that one, I I can't attest. Uh, Of course, keep in mind, uh, as big of a fan as I am, Lucas and Del Rey, I think, who is the main publisher of most of these books, um, they did not include me in the actual contract negotiations. I'm just going off of broad what I've heard over the years. Uh, so there, there may have been some leeway uh, on what they could and couldn't do. Like, like if, if you know somebody had a story, like, hey, we want to tell the history of Han Solo. Can we? Can we do this? And uh, I think 
they would they would approach Lucas and said, hey, we have an author wanting to do this. It's a little outside of your scope. Are you okay with it? And he would say yay or nay. Because that happened a couple so, of months in different areas. The Han Solo trilogy uh, was 97 to 98. So at that point, Lucas was already working on episode one. So that might have been a, it got a free pass. Okay. Because yeah. that's, that's like the only novels in the extended universe that I've actually read is the Han Solo trilogy. Because I really enjoyed the first one. So then, of course, I had to seek out the other two to complete right. the trilogy. So. Right, right. Well, our actual topic today, uh, and we've danced around it, but we're going to get right to it now. Uh, so again, Disney took over, the inevitable happened, all these years and hundreds of novels uh, and comics and whatnot that had, had continued the story were now officially non-canon. And in case you're not a nerd, what that means is, as far as the official storyline and events and timeline of Star Wars, they did not happen. They were rebranded as Star Wars Legends and reprinted because, you know, we're not dumb. We're still going to yeah. make money off of it. Yeah. Um, but uh, so any book you pick up that says Star Wars Legends, just know it is not officially part of the the new current Star Wars timeline of events, um, which, again, inevitably was going to happen. There was way too much stuff for them to try to for Disney to tiptoe around. Um it would have been a nightmare trying to come up with sequel movies after all that stuff. And people would have been confused and like, oh, you, you know, it wouldn't be just like, oh, hey, go read this novel or this comic book. You'd be like, hey, go read these 300 novels uh, <laughs> and then you're good to go. Like, yeah, they weren't going to do that. Um, so that being said, people who run Star Wars are also nerds. Surprise, I know, crazy. Uh, and some of them are fans of the old EU. I know, again, shocking surprise. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, since then, we've slowly seen things from the old EU creep back into the current Star Wars timeline. From small things, like mentions of Life Day and Mandalorian Season 1, uh, to mentions and displays of, Scott, this one's just for you, Terrace Kasai, uh, the Star Wars martial art yes. slash 3D, 2D fighting game from the 90s. Love that game. Uh, that was, that was <laughs> brought back in in a wink and a nod joke in Solo. Uh, two major things like characters, huge, important characters from the old EU. Bring bot. Bring bot. Being brought back, I can talk really uh, into canon, such as Grand Admiral Thrawn, who headlined his own trilogy and was it heir to the Empire? I forget the other two, Dark something, Dark and, Force Rising, yeah, Dark Force Rising, and uh, the th- the the third one. Come on, you got this. Nope, they're on my bookshelf, but I can't think of the names. <laughs> Fuck. Yeah, those, you know, the Thrawn trilogy. The Thrawn trilogy. Let's just go the with The original that. Thrawn trilogy. Uh, not to be confused with the new Thrawn trilogy, because once that character was brought back in in Rebels, uh, and this was awesome, the, the author, um, wow, I forgot his name. Uh, Timothy Zahn. Timothy Zahn, there you go. created Thrawn in the, yeah, in the original uh, trilogy got a chance to write the backstory for the new version of Thrawn and wrote a second Thrawn trilogy. Know, he's, wrote, is... he's currently writing a third Thrawn trilogy. Really? Yeah. So 
after the current Thrawn trilogy, um, which ends with his coming into Rebels. Okay. It, it catches you up to him going into Rebels. Um, he's now writing Thrawn's backstory, which is everything on his home planet and his home world, leading up to uh, his entrance from... It's a prequel trilogy to the current trilogy, and okay. it basically details... Uh, his his time during the era of the Clone Wars. Gotcha. He, well, there he, you go. He and Anakin go on a nice, uh, nice little adventure. Actually, in the 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 third book of the Thrawn trilogy, he gets paired because remember in Rebels, uh, he uh, he leaves for a while, mm-hmm. and he comes back. He gets di- he gets diverted uh, to another planet with Vader, and that that book flashes back and forth. To Thrawn's first meeting in this in the in, in the Star Wars galaxy because you know the 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 Chiss uh, Chiss Republic is it I think uh, sure. the Chiss the Chiss are actually outside of uh, 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 this they're there in wild space uh, and so they sent Thrawn in to basically um, assess the threat level of the Empire to the Chiss and so he came in. And he actually had, during the Clone Wars, he had an adventure with Anakin. It was he and Anakin on this same planet that he and Vader are on in present time during the novel. And while he doesn't exactly know, and Vader won't confirm that he is Anakin because of the whole Anakin's dead, blah, 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 blah. I have a personality uh-huh. complex because I can't, you know, accept myself for who I am now. Trauma issues. Blah. Um the entire time he suspects and he's piecing it together. So by the end of that novel, he knows who Vader is. Nice. And see, this is why we keep Scott around. Cause now I don't have to go read the books. He'll just summarize it all. <laughs> <laughs> or I'll wait till they make it into a comic book. Like I usually do. Uh, so, uh, so again, the people in charge of current Star Wars game, and, and, and another thing that I meant to bring up is so uh, now under Lucasfilm there is what's called the Lucasfilm Story Group, I believe is what it's called, which is essentially the the high sheriffs, as Joe Bob would call them, of the Star Wars lore. And every book, comic, video game, graphic novel, whatever uh, that is released uh, from Lucasfilm goes through this group. Uh, to make sure nothing is contradictory, uh, that nothing uh, is 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 that everything's ship shape, uh, so that there is one coherent Star Wars universe, uh, and then uh, which is something the old EU never really had. Um, so this story group, being fans of the old EU, likes to sneak things in. Uh, Dave Filoni is is particularly guilty of this. Uh, he loves to sneak in stuff from the old EU, whether it's a ship class from video games or, you know, full on characters. Uh, he loves to toss stuff in. So that's what we're going to do today. We're going to play David Filoni and pretend that we're making some Star Wars stuff or that we're on the board of the uh, Lucasfilm story group. And we're going to talk about our favorite characters, storylines, vehicles, whatever, our favorite stuff from the legends EU that we want to see worked back in to the current expanded universe and maybe how we want to see that done. I don't know. I don't know how much, uh, how far down the rabbit hole everyone's gone with theirs, but uh, we'll start it off with uh, Jay. 
the doc, what do you got? Uh, well, as I said before, my first experience with the EU was, and most of my experience with the EU is in video games. Um, Fair I didn't enough. read many of the novels. Um, didn't read many of the novels, don't really read, read many of the comic books. But the one that sticks in my mind the most is always going to be Shadows of the Empire. And I thought it was really neat to have kind of a <clears throat> a counterpart to Han Solo. Kind of the same idea. Uh, Mark so Han Solo? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, <laughs> he's he's not quite Han, but he's close. Uh, and that's Dash Rendar. Hell uh, yeah. The main character of, uh, the main protagonist, I should say, of Shadows of the Empire. The video game. The video game. And what I really liked was that he's like in the background of everything going on. Mm-hmm. You know, he's he's there at um hoth he's there he's trying to track down boba fett he's involved in some major space battles um it just would be neat to include him as kind of a character i think you could sneak him in well not necessarily sneak him in but you could put him in um i actually think that he could fit somewhere in the mandalorian uh, I'm assuming he would still be alive if he hasn't been killed off by something or someone. Well, yeah, so... Yeah, it's got... Well, as I say, it's the beauty. It's not been written, so it... You yeah. know, it's, it's whatever... Whoever's writing his story, it's... It'd be a pretty short story if, you know, all it was was him being dead when he comes into the story. Okay, yeah. he's done now. Well, yeah. <laughs> it, I think I think what Jay was saying is that timeline-wise, that would sync up because Shadows of the Empire is supposed to take place between um, New Hope and Empire Strikes Back. No, or, sorry, between no, Empire like, Strikes Back between and Jedi. Empire and Jedi. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, so, and and Mando is what five years after Return of the Jedi, uh, roughly six, because okay. it's not it's nine years ABY. So, and I believe there's so, three <clears throat> years between so yeah. Yavin and Endor. Yeah, he wouldn't have died from old age, uh, assuming he survived the Battle of the Skyhook, which if you played the video game all the way through and waited for the credits, you know he did. Uh, so it's totally plausible he's still out there bombing around somewhere in the Outrider with his robot buddy whose name I can't think of. Yeah, which, which yeah. a lot of people suggest we see the Outrider in uh, the special edition of A New Hope. Um, I disagree, but that's neither here nor there. Well, I... It's definitely the same type of ship. Is it the Outrider or not? Nerds can debate that. Exactly. Uh, but it is definitely intentionally that kind of ship. That, uh, it is. Uh, Making a model of ship, yeah. So, uh, Isn't it also a Karelian? Yeah, it's a Karelian YT... Something. Uh, shit. Uh, 2400, I believe. Not as fancy as the Millennium Falcon. Actually, it's newer than the Millennium Falcon. Oh. So good! Yeah, all right. Yeah, what now? I mean, I love the Outrider. I do. <laughs> Who doesn't? It's awesome. <laughs> um, I just think it would be cool. Like, I feel like 
I feel like Dash Rendar would kind of fit into this space westerny type situation that the Mandalorian has going on. Um, I just think he'd be an interesting character to develop and he's see def- in live action. He's definitely a blank slate because we never. I mean, the the video game he's front and center, literally. Uh, he's 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 the focus character of the video game, and even within the game itself, you never really get much of a sense of his backstory or his history. Uh, he's there. He helps out. He disappears. He's never heard from again. So definitely ripe for expanding that out. And, and like I said, he, he wouldn't be dead from old age at this point. So it's totally plausible to bring him in. Um, yeah. Solid choice, bud. Dash Rendar would be nice in the new EU. I I just think he'd be an interesting character, especially if you cast him correctly. Kind of a, I because I figure he's probably got to be about the same age as Han, or close to it. So maybe in this timeline, you get kind of, I don't want to say more of an older person, but kind of like a grizzled. Well, you know, he's seen a few things type well, person. That depends on when you set the story. Yeah. Because, yeah. I mean, literally, you could set the story immediately after the events of Shadow of the Shadows of the Empire um, and just have his story not intersect with the saga again, you know, which well, gives think, you six years of stuff to do when he's still in his prime. I think Jay's talking about having him show up in like season three of Mandalorian. Yeah, that's yeah. Oh, well that's fine. Even then you don't have to get an old person. I mean, you know, he's no, that's what, yeah. yeah, That's what I'm saying is like, he's probably approximately the same age as Han Solo. And so. It's somebody that's sort of in there. I don't want to say. They're middle age. Han Solo was in 83. Yeah. You know what I mean? Let, let, let's just agree that it's, uh, um, crap! I can't remember his name now. Uh, the, the guy does the voice for Rocket. Bradley Cooper. Yeah, let's just go with Bradley Cooper. Let's just agree. Bradley Cooper deserves to be Dash Rendar. I would. You know what? I'm behind that. I could see that. I like it. That's. I, that is actually. He's yeah. He's got enough of that snarkiness that I think he can pull off. That I think a smuggler would need. But he's different enough from Harrison Ford that he would be his own scruffy looking nerf herder. Who's scruffy looking? (laughs) So, yeah, I just, I'd like to see him in live action. I'd like to see more of Dash Rendar. I, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind a shadows of the empire two type video game either. Well, um, we'll tackle all that on an upcoming episode. All well, about Shadows of the Empire. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, that was that's my Scott. What do you got for us? Oh, uh, I've got a lot. <laughs> oh, I bet you do. I've got about, four. Um, well, I, I'll be honest. I didn't actually make a list. I'm just going off the top of my head because, okay. I mean, from the time I was you know like seventh eighth grade until now you know i i I pretty much digested as much as i possibly could of the eu um so you in eighth grade what year bc was that (laughs) (laughs) callback joke uh also scott's old 
You're young whippersnappers. <laughs> yeah, this is where you tell us to get off your lawn. In my day, we had to read books. We didn't get to play them. <laughs> we didn't have people to read them to us on an iPhone. <laughs> Where's um, the power button on this book? <laughs> <laughs> ah, crap. I messed that chapter up. How do I reset? <laughs> now, um, I'm going to piggyback off of okay. uh, the Doc's selection in that Shadows of the Empire, of course, was written by Timothy Zahn, and I'm going to go back to the Thrawn trilogy, also All right. written by Timothy Zahn. One of the things I, I still firmly believe that Zahn is, is the, the greatest uh, Star Wars author, just because A, of the number of books, or he's at least in the top five, um, whether he's number one or not is debatable, but he's at least in the top five, partly because a lot of people don't realize or remember that he's the one that named Palpatine and Coruscant. Uh, oh. Lu- Lucas did not name those. Those came straight from, uh, I believe, uh, his books. Um, Coruscant was not named, I think, until the Thrawn trilogy. Uh, I don't know if Palpatine was actually named until maybe Shadows of the Empire. I'm not sure. But Lucas. So I, I was nerding out when I went to see Phantom, The Phantom Menace. Because he called the you know you, you that's the first time on screen that you hear the Imperial Center called anything other than well you it's not referred to in the original movies, um, and he called it Coruscant. Now, keep in mind we only had the books to go off of, so we called it Coruscant. Um, but um, so to hear you know Qui Gon say Coruscant, we're like you pronounce it properly, you asshole. Eh. <laughs> Uh, and then, of course, to hear Coruscant, might as well be out there on Versailles <laughs> Road. Exactly, this is Kentucky. It's Coruscant. Versailles. And then, of course, Palpatine. Uh, yeah. So the fact that Palpatine. Lucas Palpatine. <laughs> well, so the fact that Lucas chose to use his names, uh, I think, speaks volumes. Uh, of uh, uh, of Zahn as an author, and uh, two of the big elements, well, three of the big elements. Sorry, that I would really love to see brought back into canon. From because we've already seen uh, the Dark Force brought back into canon, at least spiritually speaking, because they didn't call it that. That's the the Sith fleet in uh, 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 the Rise of Skywalker. Mm-hmm. Um. So a little bit of it's been brought back in spiritually, but one is the Yislarmi. I want to see a Yislarmi. We kind of got a reference to them in Rebels. We did. Where? We ended up not being much of a... Are, are we thinking the same thing? Little lizard things that make that nullify the Force? Yeah. Isn't there, in the first time we see Thrawn... It, I don't know if they're real or if it's like a statue, but there's like two behind them that like flank him on his shoulders. Oh, uh, yeah, but yeah, they're not real though, right? Yeah, no, like the, 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 there's, there's, I, I, what I thought was a reference to them, but they never actually show up like within Rebels themselves. Yeah, yeah. See, I, I don't know if it's a reference to them or not. We do see a kind of a lizard type thing, but they're not really, they're not really like lizards. They're more like slugs. Uh, and everything. So, 
So the Yuslarmi, and I'll get into why I like them and what they do uh, in a minute, because my second pick from the Thrawn trilogy is a character named uh, Joris Kaboeth. Uh, Which is some good Star Wars names. Which, don't get me wrong, the the pronunciation may change because I'm from Kentucky. Um, (laughs) We'll ask Liam Neeson later. (laughs) uh, So Joris Kaboeth, when they meet him, uh, he was actually the it was actually the clone of a failed Jedi. Uh, he had gone a little bit insane. He was, he was not right in the head. Uh, he was neither Sith nor Jedi. Um, and uh, uh, Thrawn encountered him when he went to uh, open up one of uh, Emperor Palpatine's vaults, where, where Palpatine kept well, whatever it is Palpatine deemed necessary enough to lock up in a huge vault on a remote planet he didn't tell anybody about. And Joris Kaboeth was um, guarding it. And he'd been alone for a long time, and he'd gone a little bit off his rocker. And uh, Thrawn uh, is able to talk him into basically helping him uh, in return for the deliverance of Luke Skywalker because he wanted to train Luke. But there's a scene in it uh, where... Now, if you, if you want to see what Joris Kaboeth looks like, you can look up the, the art for him and stuff, but he looks a lot like Count Dooku. So I would really, as far as, far as the look, I would really love to see a clone of Count Dooku as the character, Joris Kaboeth. Okay? Now, bear with me on this. Uh, I know... Um, uh, <laughs> I'm blanking on names today. Uh, the, the actor that played uh, Count Christopher Dooku. Christopher Lee. Yeah, Christopher Lee is passed, obviously, but in the book, it's not Jor- it's not Jedi Master Joris Kaboeth um, that they find. It's a clone of him. So this would be a clone, like a a flawed clone of um, of uh, Count Dooku that Palpatine had made as a test for cloning his own body, which of course would tie back into Rise of Skywalker again. Um, and he's just not right in the head, and that could give you the leeway as it being a failed clone to cast a very Christopher Lee-looking character actor. Not, of course, since Lee's not available and he's gone. But uh, there's a there's a scene in in one of the books where uh, Joris Kaboeth goes in to see Grand Admiral Thrawn in his in his ready room, and uh, they're discussing something, and Thrawn is basically saying, "No, this isn't how it's going to work. You're going to listen to me." And, and he's like, I think you underestimate who you're dealing with. And he goes to hit him with force lightning. And the force lightning stops about a foot from Thrawn. It doesn't touch him. And he stops, and, and, and Master Kaboeth is, well, he's a little intrigued, because this has never happened before. And so that's when he starts investigating the room a bit. And you find out that uh, Thrawn has a Yaslarmi basically uh, attached to the back of his chair in a nutrient tank because they're they're like there's their sloths on their home planet they they attach themselves to the indigenous tree life of the trees the plant life and they have a symbiotic relationship so in order to harvest them and, and take them off their planet you have to survive uh, supply them with a nutrient tank to keep them alive and they generate like a three-foot field around them that the force has no effect inside they, they literally repel the force and so Thrawn has found this out and has 
utilize them as a defensive measure against Jedi. Uh, to which Kaboeth actually congratulates him or, uh, you know, applauds his efforts. He was, he's like, yeah, that, that's pretty cool. Uh, you thought ahead. I love it. You forgot one thing. And of course he's like, what's that? And he uses the force to pick up like a little trinket on his desk with telekinesis. He throws it at him, which, you know, he has to duck because it doesn't stop physical objects. So, Yeah. Joris Kaboeth, Yaslarmi, I want to see those. And then, of course, uh, Thrawn's main captain of his fleet, Captain Pelion. Uh, I want to see him brought back in because I was really hoping to see Captain Pelion in uh, in Rebels when we got Thrawn, but I don't think we ever did. What's so cool about Captain Peloton? Uh, he was just a good character because uh, <laughs> after after Thrawn was defeated um, and and killed off, he stayed around for a while and he came very close to uniting the rest of the Imperial Remnant against the New Republic and and did a very good job of holding what Imperial territory he could. He he of course eventually I believe he rose to the the rank of Grand Admiral himself. Mainly being the big guy in charge, he he, he kind of gave himself the rank, but still, he was he was a, a good commander. Fair enough. You do bring up something that really kind of bugged me about the old e, the Legends EU that I was glad we didn't have in the current canon until Rise of Skywalker, which is. The Legends EU got really clone happy. They did. They were clones of fucking everybody at one point in the old EU, and it got to be a little bit of a stale horse uh, every time they would trot that out. I mean, literally at one point in... Ah, shit, I forget the book. The second one of the Thrawn trilogy, maybe? Um no, no, it was after that. It was uh, whatever. There's at one point where uh, there's a crazy old um, force user who's putting the fleet back together, the Imperial fleet back together, and his secret weapon against Luke is a clone of Luke, who is named Luke with two U's. No, oh, wow. Luke. Yeah, no, I'm not making this up. You can I don't know if up. I read. I don't know if I read this one. <laughs> Uh, it ended up being kind of a cool um, means to an end for another character storyline, but like literally, that's you know, it starts with uh, you know, can we okay? There were the Clone Wars, no one knew at the time back then what exactly the Clone Wars were, so we knew cloning was a thing, and people started working that into stories. And you know, the Emperor gets cloned, and and you know, you like you talked about the failed clone of a Jedi. and uh, like to me, like that kind of hit peak stupidity of it's a clone of Luke named Luke. Yeah, <laughs> really, yeah. guys. Yeah, best you can come up with. Yeah. Um, once, once again, not everything in the original EU needs to be brought back. Yeah. Uh, but forget that name because that name is friggin' stupid. Uh, but the the idea of that story was kind of a means to an end uh, for the character I want to talk about. Uh, and the one that right up until people were in the theaters watching Rise of Skywalker, we thought was going to get included uh, and reworked back into the, the Star Wars canon. Uh, arguably one of the most important characters in the Legends EU who still has yet to show up in any official way. 
unless you can't graffiti on a bathroom stall in Galaxy's Edge. I'm talking <laughs> about, I'm going to get back to that story, uh, Mara Jade, who has one of the coolest, longest, most emotional story arcs in the entire EU. Yeah. Uh, when you first meet her, she is literally she's she's the I forget her title that hand she's, of the emperor or something she's, like that. She's, she's the she's one of the emperor's hands. Yeah, she is literally a private assassin for the emperor. Yeah, uh, that's not a badass way to start. Uh, she um, her, her her final order uh, when Palpatine dies, uh, they're they're linked mentally through the Force. Her her final order from. Emperor Palpatine is you will kill Luke Skywalker. So Empire falls. Uh, she's out of a job. She becomes a smuggler because in the Star Wars, that's what you do. Um, what you do. Eventually works her way around to locating Luke. Um, they have a, a very uh, standoffish, obviously, relationship. Mara Jade is, is uh, force sensitive, I think. Uh, and I'm sure Commander Scott will correct me if I'm wrong. I think Mara Jade is the first character we meet who has a purple lightsaber. Yes. Uh, it, was in, it, was, it was described as the Amethyst lightsaber, but it's always drawn as being purple. Uh, mm-hmm. It was given to her by Palpatine. Uh, she's Force-sensitive. She becomes an um, uh, uh, adversary to Luke. Uh, eventually, um, through her advent, there's, there's a storyline where she ends up getting stranded with Luke on a planet that has the uh, the Force slug things. What are they called, yeah, Scott? The, the Islami, yeah. Those things. Uh, and, and the two <laughs> of them can't use the Force, so they have to rely uh-huh. on each other to survive. Uh, and as all things do uh, with fiction, they fall in love. Um, and this is this is a, a drastic oversimplification of her story because it's it's huge. Uh, so she ends up falling in love. Her and Luke get married. Uh, she becomes one of the the um, first Jedi in Luke's Jedi Academy when he finally forms that. Um, and then, uh, so her her thing this whole time is uh, because the Emperor basically like force imprinted the order of kill Luke Skywalker. She could never fully trust herself around Luke because she always felt the draw to I'm in love with him, but I feel this urge to kill him, which some would just call marriage. Hey, <laughs> uh, thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, tip your waitress. I'll be here all week. Um, but so the whole stupid clone of luke named luke thing uh comes into that was the fulfillment uh in that storyline uh luke is fighting sorry regular luke is fighting against um uh, the stand-in for palpatine whose name i can't remember uh and and mara ends up fighting against his clone and and through the battle mara jade ends up killing luke the clone mm-hmm. and what that does is that basically Freeze her from this drive of I have to kill Luke because now she has killed Luke. Uh, and then in one really cool move, uh, she she at some point lo- uh, loses her purple amethyst lightsaber. Uh, so to replace that, uh, the clone of Luke or, uh, is is wielding uh, is wielding Anakin's lightsaber. Uh, which I still don't think they ever explained how the hell uh, the bad guys got a hold of it, but they did, and the clone gets that. So after after slaying him, uh, Mara Jade from that point on wields the Anakin lightsaber, um, which yeah. is I thought was. Uh, so but 
Sorry. Yeah, go ahead. Well, I, I do remember this story, so obviously okay. I didn't okay. read it, but I don't remember. I don't remember the evil clone's name being Luke with multiple U's. That I don't remember. <laughs> I must have blocked it out. I don't know. Luke. <laughs> um, her, she, she's got a huge storyline. It ends up being a very, very tragic end to Mara. Um, she's sent to, in, in Star Wars old EU, and this is something that's uh, the reason I'm I'm fine with Disney casting aside the Legends EU when they started making new movies is uh, they were inevitably inevitably going to end up sort of echoing stories from the old EU in in the new stuff. One of those big ones is uh, the character of um, uh, Ben Skywalker, if I'm remembering my names correctly, yeah. which son it was. Um, Ends up turning to the dark side and yep. names himself Darth Catechus or something like that. Cadius or there you yeah. go. Yeah. yeah um, so, it, go ahead. Sorry. Well, uh, yeah, I, that be that was good. Um, a lot of that I kind of blocked out because that's during the Yuzon Vong invasion, and I yes. hated hated the yeah. Yuzon Vong. Yeah, I'm, I'm editing around that. Yeah, um, hated that story. So I'm glad they're gone. That's one of the things I love being gone. For now, uh, no, they're gone, <laughs> and they are not coming back. Uh, but the the whole reason I brought that is is um, Mara ends up getting long story short ends up getting killed by uh, Darth uh, uh, Calculus, and um, <laughs> and it's it, it's. It's one of the tragic moments uh, that that really shapes Luke going forward, yeah. and and so it's a character who literally, from her first appearance to her last, you know, her death, her last moment, is completely in the EU novels. Yeah. And for all the characters that were created with these EU novels, she is one that stuck around with fans, arguably the most. Everybody loves uh, RJ. Yes, she she is the one character fans were crying out to see. Like, if you're going to bring anything from the old EU, you got to bring her in. And literally, so like the week of the the release of Rise of Skywalker, there were people who were dead sure we were going to see a flashback and they were going to show Mara Jade. And then they were like, supposedly, um, oh, I can't, uh, uh, Julianne Moore. I don't know if she visited set or something, but there were all kinds of leaks on the internet that she was going to be Mara Jade. And it was, it was, uh, stuff I wrote off at the time because I'm like, uh, yeah, that sounds pretty you know, far fetched, and uh, yeah, um, I don't think that's going to happen, and it didn't happen. But um, I would love to see this character work back into the expanded universe. I think she deserves it. Um, I know some aspects of her story have kind of already been done, and you're going to find that a lot with some of the characters I'm, I'm, I'm going to throw in here. But um, well. Let's keep in mind that that Ben Skywalker was the son of Mara Jade and Luke Skywalker. Yes, I, I want to clarify that because in in the new movies, um, you've got Ben Solo, and it never made sense for me in my from my perspective for Han and Leia to name their son Ben because neither one of those characters had any connection to Ben Kenobi. Leia had heard tales of Obi-Wan Kenobi, but she never actually gets to meet him on screen. He he, he dies before she's rescued. 
So there's there's no reason for them to name their son Ben. Um, their children in the old EU is Jason and Jaina Solo, which I still argue is Ray and Kylo. No matter what J.J. Abrams says, he he stole their story arcs and he just plugged in other characters and then fucking uh, Rians Johnson or whatever his name is um, <laughs> fucked all that up with his his. Name. Um, no, and no, then no, no. And, then, and then their younger they're, son, their brother and sister in a Star Wars movie. So of course they're gonna kiss. They're gonna kiss. Um, and then uh, they're. Their um, uh, their younger brother uh, is 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 Anakin Solo. Uh, it would have made more sense uh, for them to have named him Anakin if they were going to name him after anybody. Um, I mean, I'm fine with Kylo Ren or you know something that doesn't Kylo Solo. I don't know, fuck, but um, but it never made sense for them to name him Ben Solo. I'm not gonna lie. When I first saw Force Awakens and Han yells Ben. I thought he said Bale the first time I heard that. That would have made more sense too. Exactly. I would have thought, oh, they named him after her dad. And it was only on my second viewing, which was all of like, you know, the next day. I was like, oh, no, I totally misheard that. Why is he named Ben? Uh, Yeah, I'm with you on that one, Scott. Yeah, it it makes makes no sense for those two characters to come up with that name. Yeah. Yeah. Um, My first introduction to Mara Jade, which is a great character, was actually from. uh, a collection of short stories called the tales from Jabba's palace. Oh, um, and her short story in that is she was actually present at Jabba's palace. When Luke was there, mm-hmm. she was, uh, she was off to the side. She was there, you know, on behalf of the emperor, she was tracking down Luke. Um, and so she watched the whole exchange and she noticed that Luke, that, his in the hologram, and if you go back and look, this is true. In the hologram that that uh, R two shows of Luke, you know, at the beginning of the movie, uh, uh, of Luke bargaining for mm-hmm. Captain Solo's life, his lightsaber, his new lightsaber, is hanging very prominently on his belt. Mm-hmm. But then later, when he infiltrates Jabba's palace and he's there in person, there's no lightsaber, and. Mara figured that out. She's like, why would he come in here without his lightsaber? That doesn't make any sense. He would have to have it someplace close by, someplace he knew he would have it available. And then she's like, it's in the R2 unit. She figured it out, and she knew what his plan was, and she she tried to get Jabba to let her accompany them out to the pit of Carcoon the next day, and Jabba wouldn't let her and uh, forced her to stay behind. So it was a really yep. good short story, and it was really well done. She's an awesome character. Um, talk about again, someone who's who who constantly reinventing herself or evolving, uh, however you want to look at it. Um, really great story arc, and put a pin in that because I'm going to pitch one more character I want to see come back, and then I'm going to pitch how I want them all to come back. Uh, but before I get to all that, I don't want to. I want to spend a half hour pitching you guys a series. Um, <laughs> spoiler alert: I'm, I'm going to spend uh, at least twenty minutes pitching a series. Uh, but uh, so there's my 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 first thing. If you're going to bring anything from the EU in, do Marriage Aid. Um, 
Jay, I think we're back to you again. Any, uh, any Anything jumping out at you? Well, so, like I said, the only novel series that I read was the Han Solo trilogy. Uh-huh. And they kind of did that with uh, okay. with Solo. Um, there were elements from the, the trilogy that they brought into uh, the movie, like uh-huh. how he won the Millennium Falcon. Um, and they, they brought a lot. They brought a lot into that. Yeah, they did. Uh, there's just I just can't remember everything exactly. Well, well one uh, of the things they brought back. Sorry, I'm I'm very sorry. That, that I loved was the fact that the the Falcon is actually controlled by a droid brain, and that's why it's that's why it's cantankerous in the novels. Yeah. That's why it's always not breaking down, but it has a mind of its own. It's literally sentient. Uh, and the fact that they had him upload uh, what's her name's. Um, you know, droid brain L3. into the Falcon. Yeah. That, I mean, the fact they brought that back into canon, I was like, yeah, you go, guys. That movie is highly underrated. Um, Agreed. I think all of us agree Solo was way underrated. Yeah. But what I, the one thing I was disappointed about is when, when he joins up the, with the Empire, uh, he gets turned into a foot soldier. But in, the novels in the trilogy, he actually becomes a pilot for the empire. Uh, and that's, I mean, that would have been nice to have them stick with that, but I digress. That's not what I wanted them to bring back. That's not what I wanted to bring up. What I, I'm going to go back to video games. Um, cause like I said, that's my biggest exposure with it. But one of my favorite games that I played was the force unleashed, uh, where you get to play as, Darth Vader's well, apprentice. So, so you took us on a whole detour through Han Solo <laughs> to get to Starkiller? Yeah, yeah, sorry. Okay, just trying to keep up. <laughs> okay, I just you detour uh, all you want, sir. I just, I just wanted to point out that that I, I also enjoyed the fact that they did bring in some EU things when they made Solo. Um, it's I, anyway, but Go ahead. so what I really enjoyed about that is. He's got this, Darth Vader's got this secret apprentice that nobody else knows about. And um, you get to go through all of this and like you, you're, you're him, you're following his story. But I just think he would, that would be an interesting character or something along those lines. I know we sort of already have that with Ahsoka. Um, no, 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 no. But she was Ahsoka Anakin. Ahsoka is Anakin. Yeah, huge difference. Yeah. Right. Seriously. No, I yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but I know people would argue, oh well, he had a Padawan, blah, blah, blah. But this and is they, different because this would be a dark side apprentice. Yeah. They would be and, dumb, Jay. Yeah. Well, um, what's interesting about that is the fact that uh the Clone Wars was on air when those games came out. And if you watch the Clone Wars, uh at the beginning, Ahsoka fights with one lightsaber. And then, it, and then when uh, Force Unleashed 2 comes out and Starkiller uh, has two lightsabers in that game, the next season of Clone Wars, that's when Ahsoka starts fighting with two lightsabers. Yep. And it, you know, I know in the, in the second one, they kind of get, uh, kind of go down that clone territory of where Starkiller is a sure clone. sure do. 
They uh, do. Yeah. And I'm I'm not a fan of that. Um but what I what I did enjoy is the aspect of Darth Vader having a secret apprentice. And I feel like that would be an interesting um thing to explore. This like a secret apprentice of Darth Vader. And you could just focus on just the first game and sort of how he's got this almost crisis of identity um, trying to fight and have the dark side, but he's got this light side to him and he's actually, you know, not as bad as he probably could be. I'm Uh, with you, Jay. 110%. I'm with you. I just Uh, think it it would be a really interesting story to, to explore. So yeah, uh, true story. Dave Filoni, um, showrunner and, and creator of Rebels, um, at one point talked about he was contemplating bringing Starkiller, um, not the stupid planet-based Starkiller, the character from Force Unleashed, who has a real name but no one cares. He's Starkiller. Uh, <laughs> did toy with the idea of bringing him into Rebels, uh, and he said his version of Starkiller would have been one of the Inquisitors. And that really got my mind spinning, and I couldn't help myself but imagine a what-if scenario. So, season one of Rebels, we meet the Inquisitor. And then we find out in season two, he was one of many Inquisitors. He was the Grand Inquisitor. But we never replace the Grand Inquisitor. We meet other Inquisitors, the the fifth sister and the ninth brother and the whatever, uh, but we never meet another Grand Inquisitor. And there's a character already in Rebels who starts out as a bad guy and then has a, uh, in wrestling you call it a face turn, and becomes a good guy and ends up kind of uh, uh, being instrumental into the, the Rebels uh, winning out uh, the day at, at the end of the series. So I think it would have been awesome if, as much as I love Callus, is if you would have taken that character and in season two of Rebels introduced a new Grand Inquisitor Star Killer, who is Vader's secret apprentice, and who is keyed in to the Force and has that crisis of conscience, and and has sort of a callous story arc that he starts out as an uber bad guy, sees the rebels are doing good, sees what you know the bad the Empire is doing, and has that, that internal struggle, and by season four or you know end of season four pulls a turn and ends up helping the rebels because that's the spoiler for a 20 year old video game that's the story <laughs> of star killers you start out the game as literally vader's assassin and by the end of the game you sacrifice yourself to give birth to the rebellion that would have been awesome and, <laughs> and that might the ship might have sailed on that storyline but um the, the character is way too cool to just cast aside and never do anything with. I think. See, now I like that, but I I would I would argue to bring him back in uh, in season three as a bit of a foil to Thrawn, um, partly because uh, I feel that season two is uh, damn near perfect. Uh, work <laughs> and, and, and I don't want to do anything to upset that balance. It's fine. That's I totally acceptable. I will do that. Scott. Uh, no problem here. Uh, and it, it's he's voiced by Sam Witwer, uh, who's who uh, well voiced and modeled on Sam Witwer, uh, and Sam Witwer does all kinds of voice work for Rebels and Clone Wars. So I don't think he would have been that hard to get uh, to give him his own role. In fact, you could have had scenes 
where uh, Starkiller is talking to Darth Maul, and you could have had Sam Witwer recording dialogue with himself. Is that? Yeah. Sounds funny to me. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's been interesting. I just, I, I kind of, in general, would enjoy some more of the rebellion during the Empire. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, some more stories of when the Empire is in its heyday. Well, not heyday, but like post the first Death Star. Okay. Um, just kind of, you know what I mean? Uh-huh. Or just basically anything in the uh, anything about the Empire, like the startup of it and sort of that. Yeah, we saw the like... startup of it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There are three whole movies about that. Uh, I mean, like, but yeah, like, like the like, only like, thing we have really is like Rogue One. Yeah. More stories set between three and four. Yeah. I just see want... the, the Empire being built and rolled out and yeah. So, I mean, we sort of get that also with Solo a little bit. Yeah. Um, but I just, I, I just, in Rebels, I just want more stuff like that. And I would like to see, and I know that there's talk of a live action Rebels show. Um, but anything that deals with just Vader during his badassery moments, I think would be nice to see. Well, I, well, I don't I think, think Vader will be in it, but they are doing a Cassian Andor series uh, where he's, you know, a spy for the Rebellion. So I think you'll get more of your uh, Empire in its heyday Rebellion stuff through that show. Yeah, I, I think no matter what we get, any anything that we get while Vader is around, Vader is still going to be used very sparingly. Yeah. Yeah. As he should be. I mean, if you get yeah. too much Vader, because uh, you don't want to humanize Vader. If that makes sense. No, uh, it makes perfect sense. Yeah. He's not, you're not supposed to, that was the big turn in uh, Revenge of the Sith. You know, he's no longer Anakin Skywalker. Like you kind of got to forget about him. So. Yeah. Oh, well. Scott, what else you got for us? Well, so my big thing that I want to see brought back into uh, Star Wars canon, uh, and it, it's, it's a series that I want to see. I don't know how they would do it. Uh, I know I'll probably never see it uh, just because of the, the, the necessary characters involved. If they did, they'd have to change it, which I guess is fine. But eh. one of my one of my favorite things in the old EU was the Michael Stackpole Rogue Squadron series of novels. Uh, and Doc, if you said the only thing you've read of the old EU was the Han Solo trilogy, uh, I highly highly i beg you to read these novels these are well, novels the dog have, really hates spaceships and dog fighting in space so i, I know i mean but, i did play i did play the rogue squadron game okay so <laughs> yeah basically uh for the first one which is just called you know uh rogue squadron i believe yeah 1996 is when it came out i pulled it up here um so Michael Stackpole did a great job. He and Timothy Zahn worked kind of hand to hand. In fact, he asked Timothy Zahn permission to use one of one of uh, Zahn's characters from the Thrawn trilogy, Talon Card, um, and he created a, a new character um, uh, called uh, Corin Horn. Um, and so basically, think of it as Top Gun in Star Wars. 
That, that, that's basically it. Um, but is actually, there shirtless volleyball? There is no shirtless volleyball. I'm out. Then I'm out. Yep. Yeah. Nope. If, if that's if what you no want to base it on, there's no with the boys. There is no playing with the boys. Shirtless, uh. but helmets stay on. <laughs> um. So I, I just love this these books because uh, you've got it, it takes place about sixty seven years six to seven not sixty seven six to seven years after the Battle of Endor. Um, I'm sorry, ABY after the Battle of Yavin. So about the time we are of of uh, of of uh, Mando now, maybe a little bit before, um, uh, Wedge Antilles has in 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 the absence of Luke Skywalker going off and doing his his little Jedi hobby um uh Wedge Antilles uh, is promoted to the leader of of Red Squadron and eventually makes it Rogue Squadron um which you you hear of course in um uh The Empire Strikes Back because Rogue 2 is the one that that finds uh Han and Luke on Hoth, but uh, so Wedge Antilles is the leader of Rogue Squadron, and and he leads us. Uh, he he puts together, you know, he he leads his squadron. Actually, he rebuilds it after the Battle of Endor because uh, it was it was uh, almost decimated. Um, Battle and, of Endor or Battle of Yavin? Battle of Endor. Okay. Uh, and um, so he it's basically him rebuilding it after the Battle of Endor, and uh, you got a new character. Uh, we got a couple of new characters like Wes Jansen and Tycho Calchu, whom I love because he's the only one in the squadron that flies an A-wing. Uh, not only flies an A-wing, but he's one of the he's the pilot, uh, according to this novel. Um, he's he's the pilot of the A-wing that you see fly into the Death Star in uh, in in uh, Empire: Return of the Jedi, and. Uh, it's really funny because in the first first novel, like all the new pilots, he's literally he's your if you've ever seen We Were Soldiers, he is your Sergeant Major Plumley of Rogue Squadron. He's the grizzled veteran that you know doesn't give a shit about what's going on. He only answers to one person. That's that's Wedge. Everybody looks at him with a sense of awe. And in fact, on his flight suit, he has because uh, they make a mention of this. He has the Endor uh, mission patch. On his flight suit, meaning he flew the Battle of Endor, and in the middle of it, there's a small black dot, and this dot is only given to a few because they're the ones who made the Death Star run. Uh, and Cornhorn uh, is 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 an ace pilot. He's force sensitive. Not only is he force sensitive, he eventually becomes a Jedi in the New Jedi Order. Uh, he's the one of the ones that helps put down uh, Darth Cadius. Going back to to that story arc. Uh, after uh, Cadius kills Mara Jade and everything, you can throw that out. I, I don't need for my uh, my 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 Tom Cruise Maverick character to be a Jedi. That's another thing that I I think the EU did did way too much. Is apparently everybody had to be freaking Jedi uh, in that. You can have him be force sensitive. You know, have him have a little bit of force sensitivity, which makes him a better pilot. But that's it. Let's leave the Jedi out of it. Let's just let's just have a good, you know, squadron. I mean, we we saw uh, in uh, episode three of Mando when the two X wings show up for the the New Republic pilots. Mm-hmm. 
that that whole episode shows that we could have a really good uh, Rogue Squadron series. The hardest part about doing a Rogue Squadron series would be the actor playing Wedge. Um, I, I don't know if I would want them to do it without Wedge. I don't know if I would want Wedge to be recast, given what we can do with age regression on actors. Um, but I don't know if the actor would be willing to commit to a series. Just recast it. So you could, once again, I don't know. I mean, you could, and I, and I look, think it would be okay. We, we can do cool stuff with de-aging. That doesn't mean we need to. Uh, just recast the role. And I, I'm with that about pretty much everything when it comes to Marvel, Star Wars, whatever. Uh, if you want to do it for a shot or for a scene, okay, fine. But when people talk about uh, wholesale uh, doing an entire movie or an entire series and de-aging someone, like, just, just, just recast the role. It's okay. Uh, we did it. We did it for decades. It'll be okay. But yeah, so Rogue Squadron, you know, it gives us it gives us a lot of pilot talk. You know, the Tie Fighters are called eyeballs. Tie Interceptors are called squints. Um, I forget what they called Tie Bombers. Uh, we don't have any 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 jargon in this series for like the Tie Defenders or any of the other stuff because they didn't exist at the time these novels were written. Um. Of course, you, uh, one of the main characters in the books is Hobby, who was actually a Red Squadron member in Episode 4, but he gets killed. Uh, he, he's, he's, he's actually killed at some point, and it's on screen, so that death is established, and I can't remember where right now. But So you'd have to, you'd have to get rid of Hobby. But, yeah, give me Rogue Squadron. Give me, give me badass, you know, X-Wing pilots, New Republic pilots, uh, doing some of that pilot shit. So, I think it's definitely one avenue of Star Wars that video games have really cashed in on. But as far as on screen, whether it's a TV show or a movie, we really haven't. I mean, yeah, we get dogfight stuff in the movies eventually. Uh, Poe, kind of, that was his shtick for a while, anyways. He's a pilot. Uh, we kind of forgot about that for a while, but uh, yeah, we haven't got like a full-on dedicated um, space combat thing for Star Wars on screen. That's definitely in uh, you know if if Mando is to tap into that whole seedy underbelly of the Star Wars universe, you know, a world of smugglers and bounty hunters and whatnot, definitely room in the universe for a series all about you know, yeah. We we, the we need we need the inf- we need the enforcers out there on the front lines. We need them. We need them. You know, doing what they do and and tracking down the the smuggling rings and trying to bring the criminal syndicates back under control after the power vacuum. Yeah, of the Empire. there you go. It's cops in space. <laughs> yeah, you know I I love X wings and Y wings are great. A wings not bad. But man, I love me a B wing. B wing's not a bad plane. Uh, I agree. Re- Rebels, Rebels made it seem a lot cooler than what what they originally were, because we didn't see them until Return of the Jedi. Yeah. Um. But uh, yeah, you you uh, you forget that the A wing is the superior fighter, sir, and uh, it should be forefront and everywhere. Uh. Uh, you're uh, just pronouncing it. It's Y wing. 
you know, Cor- you know. Coruscant, Palpatine, or Tyne. <laughs> Corsicant. Yeah. Are you a Corsicant or a Corsicant? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, Rogue Squadron, bring that back. Give me Rogue uh, hell Squadron. Hell yeah, I'm That'd down with awesome. that. Yeah, hundred percent. Jay, anything else? Because I got a big one coming. No, not really. I mean, I just um, like I said, my main my main thing with the EU was always the video games, and I hit the two major ones that I'd like to see. Yeah. Um, unless, unless you want to get like a story about those random pod racers from Star Wars Episode One racer that do they live their life a quarter mile at a time? Yeah. That yeah, was an awesome game. I did. I did. Racers. I loved that game. Ah, oh, God, I can't remember. There was one specific. Uh, I think it was Gazgano. Was his name? His sure. pod was my favorite. But anyway, <laughs> I, I I didn't care for the arcade port of that game though. I, I didn't care for that. The one where you're actually supposedly sitting like in a pod racer thing. You had the two uh-huh. controls. Right. I, I just I, I thought it was a poor poor port. I didn't like it. All right. Uh, All right, John, okay. Hit us. What you Here got? we go. Okay, so uh, remember everything I said about Mara Jade. Put them in the back of your memory. Because the other character I have got to bring up if we're talking about EU, another character who gives Mara Jade a run for her money as the most significant EU character uh, because of how long he was around and how many different things he popped up in. Bandy, this one's for you, bro. Kyle Katarn needs to come back. Uh, Kyle Katarn, before <laughs> Rebels stole his thunder, was the guy who stole the uh, blueprints for the Death Star. Um, he was he started he before Finn stole his backstory. He was a stormtrooper commando uh, turned good guy. <laughs> uh, so we, we've cribbed a lot from Kyle Katarn over the years. <laughs> um, uh, and he, uh, he he took down the Dart Trooper program, which it looks like Mando might be stealing from him this season. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> At the time of this recording, I don't know yet. Uh, but <clears throat> those things aside, Kyle Katarn uh, grew up on a farm, became a stormtrooper, rebelled against that, uh, became a smuggler, discovered he was Force-sensitive, and for years fought back and forth between his, his, his nature, uh, falling... Almost completely the dark side more than once. Uh, he partnered up with Mara Jade. Uh, he was one of the first inductees into Luke's um, Jed- new Jedi Academy when that got started. But this was a guy who threw the um, uh, was it Dark Forces games and the Jedi Outcasts and Jedi Academy. And he popped up in a bunch of the, uh, the novels and comics. He was a big, big part of the old Legends EU. And again... Sadly, a lot of his his thunder has been stolen by some other characters. There is still enough cool stuff there to work with. I think you can definitely bring the game. It won't be exactly that version of Kyle, uh, but you can bring in a version of Kyle that I think will do him justice. And the project that I want to see both him and Mara Jade show up in, which gets to the character I really want to see. And this is going to sound weird, but hear me out. The character I really want to see is the expanded universe Luke Skywalker. 
hear me every out. everybody wants to see the eu version of Luke Skywalker. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah hear me out because some of you are like well he's there john yeah he is he's physically <laughs> no, he there uh so look we've got a big gap of time between yub numbered up on endor uh <laughs> Yub nub for life. Yub nub for life. Uh, to cantankerous old coot drinking green titty milk. <laughs> Big swath of time to cover there. And that's the thing I'm going to pitch. I want to see. We heard it mentioned. We saw it briefly when it was on fire. Uh, I want to see Luke's Jedi Academy. I want to see Luke post Return to the Jedi. Uh, as the uh, New Republic is starting to gain ground and, and assert its authority and it's kind of got its shit together, Luke then goes off and forms the New Jedi Academy and begins reforming the Jedi Order and looking at the mistakes of the old Jedi Order and correcting them and fixing them for a whole new generation. Uh, you can bring into that Kyle Katarn. He can start out as a smuggler, as someone Luke encounters, and Luke has this weird pull too because... Kyle may not even realize at the time, but he is force sensitive and, and they have a, a Riggs and Murtaugh buddy relationship that, that develops into Kyle being one of his first students. You have a mysterious, gorgeous redhead with a dark past. Who's Mara Jade, who shows up at the school, uh, supposedly looking for training, but really she's there to kill Luke. Uh, but she goes on adventures with Luke and Kyle and, and they form this bond and, and she starts to have second thoughts about, is this really the person? I, I know the Emperor said kill him, but I don't know if I can or not. Um, I don't know if I want to go full clone Luke, uh, but something along those lines. <laughs> uh, and most of all, what I really want to see is because this aspect of his character is important for both Mara and Kyle. Luke, as we know him, at the end of Return of the Jedi, his one defining characteristic, if he ever has it, if you can boil him down to one word, it's hope. Luke never gives up hope, ever. He never gives up hope that his father can be turned back to the dark, the light side. He never gives up hope that the rebels can win out over the Empire, that good can prevail. And that is the characteristic that in the EU defines Luke as a character. He learns Mara's past. He learns why she's there. And rather than... Like in the fucking Ryan Johnson travesty that is Last Jedi, he doesn't whip out his lightsaber and decide to kill Mara because he saw a glimpse of her and she might be evil. He says, no. You've done bad things. You've come from a dark place, but there's still hope inside you. There's still a person in there. There's still the best you to come out of you. I'm not going to kill you. I'm not going to make you an enemy. I'm going to make you an ally. Same thing that happens with Kyle. Kyle, through all of his travels, more than once, he, he brushes right up to that door of, of going evil. And, and he's motivated by a lot of, you know, at, at one point, uh, Kyle believes his, his love has been killed off. And I think it's the um, one of the games. I forget which one now. They'll burn together. That's his motivation through most of the game is to get revenge for his love dying. And he almost gets to that point where he's about to cross into the threshold, which is part of why in some of those games, Kyle can use force lightning because he's tapping into the dark side. But Luke never gives up on him. Luke continually says, like, look, you may not be ready for it now, but when you're ready, there's a home for you here at the Academy. And Kyle does eventually become, I think his official title is the Jedi Battlemaster, 
which is a fucking badass title. Um, that's the defining characteristic of Luke is that he never, he always sees the best in people. He always sees the best version of the, that person they can be, whether they see it in themselves yet or not. I want that Luke back. And we can circle around to cantankerous old man drinking green titty milk because, as we know, Mara has a tragic death. Uh, and you can rework that in if you want to. I want to see a series all about young Luke rebuilding his his Jedi Academy. Mm. Recast the role. Sebastian Stan's already on the payroll, and he looks enough like young Mark Hamill. Just fucking do it already. Uh, give us that Luke back. Bring in characters like Mara Jade and Kyle Katarn. Take two. Mara Jade and Kyle Katarn. Uh, weave that story together. And and give us the Luke we are all desperate to see. We have been cheated too many times by both Lucas and Dip seeing our Luke Skywalker, the Skywalker we grew up with, idolizing and, and uh, looking at as a hero, right as he gets into his prime, right as he becomes a full Jedi and he's taken over, he's toppled the Empire, and there's a universe ready for him to rebuild, and the credits roll. <laughs> and the next time we see him... He is what he is in the sequel trilogy. And it's like, well, hold on a minute. Those are pretty different. And we're never really given a full, I think, decent explanation of how he turned that way, what happened in that time. Uh, There's way too many adventures for him to go on to just never come back to that character again. So that's my big pitch, my big series, uh, and how I think Kyle Katarn and Mara Jade could be brought brought back into the current EU. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the Star Wars very, very much needs to give us Luke. It needs to give us Jedi Luke. We need to fill in that gap. Um, I, I, I would see almost that green lightsaber again. Damn it! <laughs> I would almost argue against uh, giving us a full like Luke series. I think Luke's story arc is something we need to explore <laughs> across multiple series. If that makes sense, uh, have him there. Uh, now, I, I love. The Jedi Academy trilogy. It was one of my favorite trilogies uh, in the old EU. Um, so, yeah, I, I agree that we need to see it. Uh, I love the fact that in the old EU, uh, it was the Masasi Temple on uh, Yavin. Yep. Yeah, it's where he, he created the Academy. I don't think anything we saw in the new trilogy contradicted that. So I think they could still do it. I think it's a good idea. That'd be awesome. Uh, Hits that nostalgia button. Yeah. Um, I would love to see the Academy. Uh, I don't know if, like I said, if a full series just on that would do it for me, uh, or if we would get to see it through the eyes of multiple other things. I don't know. I could go either way. I'd, I'd be happy with the series. Don't get me wrong. Um, but yeah. Um, in fact, I, I used the the Jedi Academy. Trilogy is the basis for a role playing game. Once sounds kinky. I don't. I don't know if I told you that. I told you about this or not. It's one of my one of my favorite Star Wars games I ever ran. Uh, yeah. Well, uh, real quick, I, I I said it during that era, of course, uh, which uh, it takes place a few years after Endor. Um, my main characters: one was a smuggler and one was a scout. And in their backstory, they decided to make them both ex-Imperial. So the Empire had collapsed, and they just didn't hook up with the Imperial Remnant. They were actually 
pilots that were abandoned uh, at the Battle of Endor, and so they kind of made their own way. Uh, they eventually wound up on Narshada, the Smuggler's Moon, which is something else that needs to be brought back in New Canon. Um, and uh, uh, so anyway, I decided to throw them into the the, the first book of, of the Jedi Academy trilogy because neither one of them had read it. And the first book is called Jedi Search. And uh, Han, I'm sorry, not Han. Well, yeah. So Han and Chewie are leaving Coruscant to go reestablish connection, uh, contact with um, <laughs> Kessel for the New Republic because they're they're trying to use some of their old smuggling contacts on Kessel to make you know to, to to establish relations with the New Republic, and Leia tells them reminds Han, hey, you need to be back by a certain time because the twins, Jason and Jaina. Uh, are uh, are a little older now, and they're ready to come out of hiding because they 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 had them kind of quarantined in a, a secure location for a while. Um, they're they're toddlers, and they're gonna they're coming home. So you need to be home when they get here. And he said, "Yeah, not a problem. We'll go." So they go off to do that. Luke and Lando actually. Luke has a a list of children or people that may be force sensitive, and he goes off in search of of them. To, to, to check to see if they're actual candidates for his new academy. So my story was that before going to Kessel, Han stops over at Narshana to find uh, a couple of people uh, that could basically investigate the B-list. Uh, while Luke and Lando are checking out the A-list, they're hired to check out the B-list. Okay? So, enter our characters, they get hired. Um... Hang on, I'm I'm waiting for the C-130 to pass the Doc's house. <laughs> that was a YT-1500. Okay. Active, active runway. <laughs> so, um, so when I when I when, when we're role, when we're playing this out, this is the Star Wars role-playing game. This is the old one, the old West End game, actually. And uh, um, so I had a number in mind of how much you know I was going to let them how much how much credits I was going to let them get. And when they're having their negotiation with Han, they really lowball that number. And Han's like, well, shit, yeah, sure, go ahead. So Han agrees to their price, gives them the list, then Han goes off and does his thing, and they go off on the first, like, uh, three or four uh, sessions that I had planned out for my players. So we circle back around. And I forget how I worked it in, but eventually they found out that Han shortchanged them, that, that he was authorized to pay them quite a bit more than what they asked for. And so they wanted the rest of their money. Now, unbeknownst to my characters, because I never read the books, is that Han and Chewie were imprisoned on Kessel. They were taken prisoner and forced to work in the, in, in the mines. Now, Leia, back at home... You know, the twins have come home and Han and Chewie haven't come back. Well, she thinks that Han and Chewie are, you know, off being Han and Chewie. That they've just, you know, completely lost track. They're living it up. And she's pissed. She's upset because Han should be here with his kids. And so my characters call the New Republic and ask to speak to Han Solo. Not knowing what's going on with Han. So the next face they see on screen is is Princess Leia, who at the time of this book is the chief of state for the New Republic. 
someone they are not expecting to see. And the only thing she has to say to them, she's glowering into the monitor and she goes, where's my husband? And my players literally go, uh, we'll call you back. And they hang up on her. <laughs> so the next three sessions is them running from Rogue Squadron. It was just, it was an awesome game. It was an awesome time. I loved it. It See Lucasfilm, look at that amazing tale we can weave. And we work really cheap, by the way. So, uh, so yeah, I would love to see uh, the Jedi Academy brought in uh, and more about it and stuff. Maybe we could actually see the Knights of Ren do something. Uh, <sighs> I, I don't know. I'm just saying. Well, yeah, no, yes. I, I don't want to get into a whole other diatribe, but uh, yeah. Yeah, no, um, look, there's so much great stuff in the, the Legends EU. And yes, I, there are plenty of you right now who are saying, well, just go read them. It's still there. And you're right. Yeah. Uh, totally, I'll, I'll go with the, the John Carpenter school of thought on, on remakes, um, which is the old EU is still there. You can still go read it. It's still being published. It's got a little Legends banner at the top. Otherwise, it's the same thing. You can go read it and enjoy it for what it is. And I encourage you to do that because there's a lot of great Star Wars. Um, but we all know books are awesome. Comics are cool. Video games are great. But when it comes to Star Wars, the the big uh, brass ring is movies or maybe nowadays streaming. Um, we all love Ahsoka. Ahsoka is awesome. But now Ahsoka's live action. And it's 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 that little whatever you want to call it, uh, uh um achievement that puts a character over the top. It's not just a thing the nerds know and love. Everyone who watches Star Wars now knows who Ahsoka is. Uh, and I read an article today that was saying that say every subsequent episode of Mandalorian this season uh, the numbers of people viewing Rebels and Clone Wars has gone up. The more they reference outside characters and bring in characters from those cartoons, it's driving people back to Clone Wars and Rebels to get their backstories, um, which I think is awesome because that's what you want to see happen, but you know it doesn't usually. So, um, lots of great stuff to be to be mined and adapted uh, for future stories. Uh, in this galaxy far, far away that we all love. So, there we go. Anybody else got anything before we I sign had, off? I had one more. Okay. Um, it won't take but a minute, relatively speaking. Uh, it, piggybacked, <laughs> it piggybacks off of your Jedi Academy stuff. Okay, okay. Um, because there was a series of books that, that I read, and I actually enjoyed, they were they were young adult novels, or novellas, actually. So they were they were maybe 150 pages. They they were for younger readers, for for kids, uh, elementary school uh, age. It was called the Young Jedi Knights, mm-hmm. um, and it was it was it basically focused on a a series of, a set of characters uh, at Luke's Jedi Academy. Um, one of them was the nephew of Chewbacca imaginatively named Lobaka. <laughs> Once again, uh, it can't all be... <laughs> Once again, it can't all be pearls. Um, barring that, though, 
Um, they, they had some nice, you know, young adult adventures and stuff. They, they were fun little novels. Uh, and I think that would make a, a really good, um, like, uh, young viewer cartoon for Disney uh, on, on Disney Plus. They, they tried to do it with the Resistance cartoon for younger viewers, which was horrible. Just, just horrible. Why? Because it, 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 it's a further bit of proof, and if you need, if you need more proof, that nobody gives two shits about those characters or anything from that that era. Wa- try to watch that because it's bad. Um, but I, I think if you did, I mean, get rid of the. If you want to have a Wookiee, fine, but it does not have to be related to to Chewbacca. It could just be a Wookiee apprentice. That's fine. Uh, we got a taste of it, uh, of that kind of story in uh, Clone Wars, because there mm-hmm. was that, what was it, two-part, three-part? Five-part. Five-part, was it five-part? Holy shit. Yep. Um, and it worked well. Um, and uh, uh, they were really good. One of the characters uh, in it, because the, the author had some really great storylines. Like, one of the characters, in it, when, when they were building their lightsabers, their their training sabers, their first lightsabers, um, one of the characters in it, she was, she was royalty for the planet that she came from, and it was like a warrior, uh, a warrior kind of uh, culture, not quite Mando like, but you know, very, very uh, 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 feudal Japanese honorable kind of warrior system, and she built her lightsaber, and she didn't pay that much of attention because. Her culture and her her uh, ideology that she grew up with was that the quality of the weapon did not matter. It was the quality of the warrior wielding it. That the warrior could overcome whatever flaws the weapon had. So she literally just slapped her lightsaber together. And during a during a training session, she was she had locked blades with another student, and the the feedback between the two two things shorted out her lightsaber. So her blade cuts out on her right in the middle of the, the, the lock. And because the one student was pressing against hers, all of a sudden there's no resistance anymore. He literally, he cuts off her arm just below the elbow. Um, and uh, she refused, like, back to treatment or anything. Um, and for a while, she refused a prosthetic of any kind. Because it was her own fault, and once again, her ideology—it was—it was, it was a, 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 a shortcoming she had to overcome. Eventually, she did get a prosthetic, but she never, she she left it metallic. She never uh, allowed it to be covered because it served as a reminder to her that um, her losing her arm was a, a consequence of her own hubris. So, yeah. Those were really great stories, uh, and and I, I think it's something that uh, that a lot of time gets overlooked um, in in the 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 wider shot of the the full length novels and such. Uh, and if Disney was looking for a younger uh, um, uh, a series for younger viewers, a cartoon for younger viewers, I think there's your there's your mind that you need to tap. You know, go, go look at those novels. Hey, Scott. Yes, sir. Aren't all apprentices Wookiees? (laughs) 
Yeah. Oh God. <laughs> Wookie. <laughs> Where's that cricket chirp sound? Wow. wow. I love a pun, but I, I think I think you just hurt me. I, I think I felt a little bit of my spirit die. <laughs> like millions of voices suddenly <laughs> cried out at once. Wow. So, 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 so the entire time I was going, <laughs> going through that, is that what you were thinking? Were you formulating that? Were you? I was waiting. I was waiting for my opportunity to pounce <laughs> on that joke. I was. I won't lie. Oh god. Anyway, so all right. Well, I think that's a pretty good list. Uh, but let us know if there are other characters we forgot or there are storylines you were crying out to see done. Um, sure, there's a ton. There's a whole bunch. Uh, by the way, I sent you guys the Wikipedia link for Luke Skywalker because I swear to God, I'm not making that up. Um, it was from The Last Command. It was created by Timothy Zahn. So if I ever meet Timothy Zahn, I know exactly what I'm asking him. Um, but uh, that being said, Thank you for joining us. Uh, this has been your weekly nerd alert. And until next time, dear listeners, may the force be with you. But you didn't have to change.